Hello, I'm Thomas Doherty. And I am Panu Pihkala. And we are the hosts of Climate Change and Happiness, a podcast for people around the world who are thinking and feeling deeply about climate change. And we are this week's guests on Metapod. This is Metapod, where we unpack the web's most interesting podcasts and the stories behind them. Indeed, this is Metapod, where we talk about interesting podcasts and hear some of the little-known stories behind them. My name is Wendy. I host and produce the show and listen to all the podcasts. Thank you for adding this episode to your listening queue. If you have feedback about Metapod, I'd love to hear that from you. You can reach me in a variety of ways via metapodshow.com. Metapod is a project that I do in my free time, so it's nice to hear from listeners if you have discovered something interesting or simply appreciate the show. Something I really like about making Metapod is the chance to meet independent podcasters who do work that I admire. I think it's really easy to admire people from afar, but much more challenging to express admiration and respect in direct and meaningful words to people. And it's on this point, actually, that I have a lot of praise for this week's guests, Panu Pikala and Thomas Doherty. The two have created a one-of-a-kind podcast called Climate Change and Happiness, which explores the personal side of climate change. And by this, they mean our emotions and feelings. Climate Change and Happiness also talks about the ways individuals can develop their awareness of these feelings and acknowledge that others have them too. Panu is a climate emotions scholar based in Helsinki, Finland, and Thomas is a clinical and environmental psychologist based in Portland, Oregon in the U.S. Together, their conversations are philosophical and practical, abstract and grounded, international and nuanced. And you don't need to be an academic, clinician, or social activist to plug into their conversations. They're very welcoming, calm, and considered, yet open and exploratory. Some episodes feature guests from related fields of work, while others focus on seemingly unrelated areas like music, art, and poetry. What's special about the tone that Thomas and Panu create is that it's free of shoulds, and the judgmental opinions and directives that often get associated with environmental activism. As you'll hear in our discussion, the one should is that their podcast should have therapeutic value to listeners. And I'll be blunt and just say, don't dismiss this as a hippy-dippy podcast either. It's not. They actually devoted two episodes to climate and music, each creating their own playlists, and I can assure you there are no Grateful Dead songs on their list. Okay, I'm being a little bit sassy here. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the Grateful Dead. I've saw them many times and remember having a great time. But anyway, I'll put links to their playlists in the show notes and you can see for yourself. M83, The Carter Family, Black Sabbath, and Katy Perry make the lists. All right, that's enough from me. Let's hear more about climate change and happiness. Anu and Thomas, I'm so glad we finally made this happen across three countries and three time zones. Uh, thank you for being here to talk about your podcast, Climate Change and Happiness. Thanks for the invite, Wendy. It's nice to be here. So there is a lot out there in popular culture about happiness, and that's probably just a simple understatement. And this probably also indicates how sought after yet elusive happiness is. Why a podcast devoted to climate change and happiness? Let's see, how would I start? I'm a psychologist and I've worked on climate change issues for a number of years. And one of the reasons why we do our podcast is um, people don't have an outlet to talk about their thoughts or feelings about climate change, particularly their feelings and their emotional reactions. All the news we see in the science reports and all the policy briefs and things, it's all about, you know, what the problem is, using a lot of data, what we should do about it and all this sort of stuff. But there isn't really a place to, for the emotional task, the expressive task. And so that's that's kind of our job is to create a space for that for people. Also embedded in our title is this deeper idea, as you say, around happiness, you know, climate change and happiness. Those two words don't typically get placed 
together. And so there's a there's an implicit kind of provocative question about what does it mean to be happy in mm. this in this world, in this climate change world? And that's kind of our our territory. I mean, why happiness and not some other feeling or word? I mean, I guess the obvious one is dread or anxiety, mm -hmm. or maybe mm -hmm. I'm just exposing my own feelings here. <laughs> uh, uh, I think you are in, in a very large company in, in, in that, <laughs> that view. And uh, the history of the podcast goes back to our conversations with Thomas. I'm coming from an interdisciplinary background in environmental studies, and I have a history of working with religion and education, for example. And and for the last eight years, I've been specializing in so-called ecological emotions or feelings. Actually, in the Finnish language, we only have one word for this tunne, which is sometimes handy and sometimes a bit bit vague. So with Thomas, we've been exploring various kinds of emotions and feelings that people have. And we really want to bring out the width and scale of what's going on. And of course, sometimes it's the so-called positive emotions which then get left behind because the times are so difficult. So that's one strand behind this. But of course, in philosophy, there's a long history about discussing happiness, for example, in relation to life's meaning. So we are also after that, even though we haven't done a special happiness episode, but the various connotations of happiness and meaning. Okay. One of the things that I personally admire about your podcast um, is the dynamic between the two of you as co-hosts. And more specifically, that you both make an effort to acknowledge each other in a way that seems quite a genuine expression of interest and respect. And this happens not only around the complex and sometimes very abstract ideas that you discuss, but just simply checking in with each other about where you are that week or that day or, you know, 8.30 in the morning for you, Thomas. Mm -hmm. Another way you do this is to comment on the seasons and how that affects your daily life where each of you are. What do you learn from this exchange each week and why do that? Well, as Pana was saying, we this our dialogue started just as a dialogue across across the world, two people that were really interested in well, kind of scholars, you know, people that are interested in this in this issue. And so we we kind of get each other and we get what we're working on and I'm more on the kind of therapy working with people side um and Pan is you know more on the kind of emotion research side and his background studying theology and all uh, other things and then we also have a background in doing outdoor outdoor activities and outdoor leadership and things like that but you know I had originally had a, a before COVID I had an idea of having a podcast about climate change and happiness where I would interview my neighbors and interview just regular people and also experts that I knew and then when I started talking to Panu and we had our dialogues, we said, well, why don't we have this be the podcast? Our goal is that the listener is 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 joining us. It's sort of like a, a listener is like a fly on the wall in our conversation. So we we try to keep it as un as unaffected as possible, like our, our real conversations about stuff, not you know a big theatrical kind of uh, presentation. So we talk about our lives, our family, our parenting, our children. Uh, just like we would in, in 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 any other any other dialogue, and then when we bring in we bring in these these experts and scholars, um, the, the person is joining us. You know, the the, the listeners are joining us. So we'll often I'll often turn it back to the listeners, and and so we kind of break the break the fourth wall a lot, and and bring the less the listener in, because again, people are isolation is one of the biggest factors for people's environmental dread, as you say, or angst or things like that. They don't. Have, they don't have anyone to talk to about it. They don't know how to talk about it. So I think it's really important to be human. Yes, and sort of have companions on the road or wayfarers. Sorry for mm -hmm. the pronunciation, you know, coming from mm -hmm. Finland, it's sometimes tricky, especially in the, in the evenings. But uh, it's good to have company in all sen mm -hmm. senses. And, and 
and I learn something constantly. And I've heard Thomas say this too, and of course it's related to the topics we are discussing. It's related to the perspectives that the guests bring, and we try to be inclusive in inviting guests and even more inclusive probably in the, in the future. But also learning more, more about how Thomas sees the world and various things that he's been doing. So that's one of the benefits of us not knowing each other for decades before this. We've known each other for a couple of years. So, so we are genuinely learning something new also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another admirable thing about the show that you have, in my eyes anyway, is that you, you're putting yourself out there in the middle of this incredibly complex set of issues. It's the intersection of psychology, sociology, religion, science, culture, so many things. And yet you don't have definitive answers and you're not selling any one solution. It is, it sounds really silly of me to say that, but it's simply open-minded and open-ended and you're not imposing any opinions or shoulds on listeners. And oddly, I thought about this and why do I find this comforting and reassuring? Um, It's a space that I find very calm and reassuring. Why did you choose that? And and have you been criticized for it at all, that it doesn't lead to anything specific? Mm. Those are, those are two, two great, great questions. Um, But yes, I mean, you did a great job sort of summing up our style in a way that we haven't quite described before. Um, But you're right. People are selling things and the whole space I think partly what you're talking about is is the space of environmentalism, which is a very kind of active space where everyone is is, yes. is in a in a movement and kind of in a battle uh, and selling things and it, and then by extension and just into the political realm in general, which is kind of like a battle. It's kind of constantly a battleground, and people are battling each other with policies or with you know trying to grab the hearts and minds of of people. I personally am so tired and exhausted of that and and I always have been so it's not it's not a style of mine and I think we kind of dovetailed on that and I think Panu brings a philosophical questioning stance as well that kind of that that kind of dovetails with that but you know people don't need content like (laughs) they don't need they don't need climate change and dread content people are already (laughs) doing they're already doing that they're already doing that that's that to me doesn't add any value and I've, I've talked to a number of people and they say, I don't want to hear it. I don't, if, if that was your podcast, I wouldn't listen to it. And I, I totally understand. So, you know, as I know, as a therapist, you know, you have to start with the, with the goal in mind. If you want to feel good about life, you need to start thinking about what it means to feel good about life. The negative feelings are a part of life, but if you only start there, then you're never going to get to the light. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, thanks, Wendy, for that's very good good to hear here and also get that feedback. And one of the aims, of course, is to try to find ways to live amidst uncertainty. Not everything is uncertain, but there's a whole lot of uncertainty in the world. And it's not psychologically easy. And it requires a certain process that you are more okay about uncertainty. And that's something related to our backgrounds. We've sort of uh, walked on this road lo- long enough that we can do do that partly. And we both have, have had contact with environmentalism and do things also for so-called pro-environmental behavior. But that's not our main thing here. And we want to be sensitive also to the dangers of trying to do too much. And since we meet a lot of people who are very active in environmental or social justice matters, we see how easy it is in contemporary times to try to do too much and then end up in burnout or becoming more clinical and and so on. So I think that's fundamentally related to our attitude of sort of accepting limits and uncertainty that we don't have to have the all all answers. But what we need is also willingness to support each other and also take breaks ourselves sometimes. To just go to some nuts and bolts of the show, I mean, can you offer listeners some basic definitions for 
the concept of feelings versus emotions as you use them in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. And it's, it's well, we can talk about it on a number of levels, but a very simple way to think about it is that emotions are the physical reactions, the kind of mind-body reactions we have in our in our bodies as sentient beings, right? All sentient beings, whether it's humans or other animals or even you know, bacteria or whatever, they, they move around in the environment and they're, we're drawn towards things that, that are enticing to us. And we move away from, you know, things that are not. And so we have approach and avoidance reactions. And that's, those are, those are emotional reactions and it's work that's kind of wired in. It's impossible to be alive and not have some emotions, but feelings is the, are the, is the language that you use for your emotions. And that is very different. Depends on literally the language you're using or the culture you come from or your education your vocabulary, your emotional intelligence. And so we're, we're really honoring emotions, but working on the feelings, right? That's, so, you know, feelings of dread or feelings of misanthropy or feelings of happiness. And we're helping people to express those. So feelings are like the, are the, are the, is the tools and the vocabulary. That's the operationalization of how, how we can talk about things. And then when one goes deeper into emotion research, it gets very complicated because scholars are also using terms in various connotations. And some mm -hmm. scholars include emotion, also the consciously experienced feelings, and then there's the rising trend of so-called affect studies. One branch of that focuses on the very sort of uh, quick and one could say intuitive bodily reactions as affect and some mm -hmm. others pay attention to what's in the air so to speak you know socially shared affect and emotionality for example and that of course can go between species boundaries for example and mm -hmm. so in this environmental thought strands that's popular because it provides one way to talk about what's happening between species but in the podcast we try to keep away from two academic definitions of various terms because that easily gets um, a sort of boring for most people at some mm -hmm. point um, mm -hmm. um, for us it doesn't get boring so quickly <laughs> as for some <laughs> other people and we try to be sensitive um, about that but the basic idea that uh, we are conscious of some emotions and feelings that we feel and not not so much about others but it always helps if we try to be a bit more aware of what we are feeling because mm -hmm. then we can talk about it with others we can search for vocabulary that's one uh, big hobby and aim for us to explore explore emotion and feeling vocabulary in different languages and mm -hmm. that really helps mm -hmm. yeah and like I, I think any good podcast we, we we talk about what we're excited about and what we're interested in and that i think that interest and excitement comes across and we kind of welcome the listener in because again this is not um uh, we're all feeling we're we're all always feeling all the time and so we invite the invite the listener in so it, the goal is that we you know we touch on these dark heavy heavy feelings but we also touch on other feelings too so people should come out of a listen uh to a, one of our our sessions they should feel uplifted they should feel heard and honored and uplifted i find it reassuring that you don't have all the answers yeah, who does? No one does. And climate change, again, it, um, like there's so much superficial understanding of climate change, but no one has all the answers. It's too big of an issue. Even the most world-renowned experts only know one part of the climate elephant, as I say. And so we have to have that humility. I might be an expert on climate science, but I don't know your experience or Panu's experience or experience of people in other countries. And so it is, uh, humility is very important. Mm-hmm. What are the risks of not acknowledging feelings related to climate and environmental changes in our world? That's a good uh, question. Yeah, there's, there, there's plenty. It can be linked to this isolation that Thomas already mentioned, which is mm -hmm. quite prevalent and different societies and communities are in different stages related to that. 
my public work in Finland has been much related to trying to get more normalization and valid validation of various eco emotions or climate emotions or whatever people call them. But in many communities, there may be no public talk about that topic at all. And then easily thing, things get worse and they may get emotions and feelings may, may get stuck in your body or in your body mind, which is a nice concept linking the body and, and the mind. And that can cause many, many things. If you have unprocessed sadness inside you, that may increase the tendency for depression and any and anyway decrease your well-being and also your capability for for action. And for some others, it's more like that their anger and also the good kind of anger gets stuck. And this is often a gendered issue and quite prevalent in environmentalism also where many people who are very active are, are female. And in many Western uh, cultures, there's, there's been the trouble of trying to raise girls not to show anger publicly, which then leads to many kinds of complications, which are well known in general psychology and therapy literature. So one aspect of what we are doing is thinking about some of these dynamics and applying it more to the climate or environmental sphere. So what mm. does it do if a person's ego anger or climate anger gets stuck, for example? But I'll throw the ball from here to Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Again, all these questions are can go really deep. But, you know, just on the surface, it's a, it's a kind of emotional intelligence. We know that emotional intelligence is understanding your own your own emotions and feelings, being able to express them, being able to sort of regulate them, be able to move from different kinds of feelings. And then also, of course, having insights into others and communicating and honoring others. And that helps with leadership. It helps with our work of all kinds. And so that's kind of the territory we're working in. How to do, how do we develop emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence regarding all of these, these thoughts and, and feelings that we have about climate change? You know, feelings are are meant to be moving, they're processes, they're they're active. And so, like I say, feelings are like a train, you know, like if we grab onto one feeling or one emotional state it's really one of the cars on a long train you know often i get i, I hear a news story and um, i'll feel a certain thing about it sad or anxious or whatever but before that i might have been surprised i might have been curious i have all these other feelings too and if we don't get, learn to talk about our feelings we do we do get stuck and we have kind of limited lives we're, we're not living fully and we're not activating our, ourselves and so you know that's why then people fall into this kind of frenetic need to act and to find solutions and this fear-based living you know where they are looking for people to sell them simplistic simplistic solutions and things like that because they're not able to sit and be present with their with their feelings right so it is it is very important for general health and well-being but you know climate change is a long haul and so we need to be able to sit and be present um, like the old meditation saying um you know don't just do something sit there you know we need to be able to build the ability to do that from time to time before we move into the field of action which of course we want people to do you alluded to that earlier but we do want people to be taking action but really based on their own values and something that's authentic would it be fair to say that people are probably becoming aware of the the individual risks of not acknowledging well the mental health risks of these sorts of things, but th there's a, a societal cost potentially building up, if not already. Would that be fair to say? That's a very interesting thought. Uh, I think there's definitely truth in, in it. And individual uh, emotionality is complex and then to enlarge it into more communal and social spheres that's even more complex but if we take some general looks at contemporary societies i personally do see a link between unencountered anxiety about ecological crisis and the rise of more binary thinking 
and the growing appeal of authoritarian movements, for example. I don't mean to claim that it's just resulting from ecological anxiety. I'm not saying saying that, but that's one aspect contributing to an experience of quite un, uncertain and in many ways uncontrollable world. And then if that's linked with other factors in your social group, for example, growing unemployment, longing for a perceived golden age where the fossil industry was still thriving and that sort of thing. So, so there's actually quite profound dynamics around uh, in, in so, social and community spheres. And I'll just mention one more, which is the youth, of course. And uh, if if the uh, emotions related to the ecological crisis felt by the children and youth are not encountered constructively in communities, then also the public health impact will be immense, but it also affects politics and the functionality of societies in many ways. Mm, yeah. And people just need a place outside of the, the outside of the field of action to 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 retreat to that's where that the therapy space comes in um or our recent guest rosemary randall talked about at the hinterlands a place where you can go and sort of do slow slow thinking and slow slow feeling you know and think about the, the, the state of the world um because people are, are always recruited by advertising and by politics and capitalism to always be recruited to be doing things and being channeled in all these different ways so it is quite radical what we're doing by inviting people to stop and, and listen and, and just think about what they're feeling because that's not the that's not the general marching orders in society you're supposed to be sort of in your place doing your thing being a consumer or being a either being a consumer or being some sort of change agent and things like that so it can be it can again it can be sort of exhausting for people and our listeners, when when they send us messages, I think they really, when they find us, they're like, "Wow, I never knew there was a thing like this. This is really helpful." You know, so it does speak to a certain group of people, and I think there's a lot of people actually. I'm glad we're on your podcast, and maybe you'll help help our word get out farther because I think there's a lot of people that can can benefit from this, even knowing that it's there, yeah, as well, and knowing knowing they can dip into it. Your discussions on the podcast speak to the international scope of climate change, and yet you bring some attention to the cultural nuances around feelings. And I think Panu mentioned that at the top. Um, and, and he's often introducing a word from Finnish that might mm. not be something you hear in American English. I imagine this is quite challenging um, to consider all of these cultural perspectives and nuances, yet I'm assuming there must be some kind of benefit in that as well. I mean, what do people have faith in when it comes to climate change and taking better care of the environment as far as you see or know? Is there hope and around what types of things is that hope? Mm. There's a few different things wrapped in your question. The, the first <laughs> the first piece about the words, I mean, our original one of our original ideas for the podcast was that each each session we would have an international word. Uh, and we still do that from time to time, you know, but you know, and 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 finish is great for words like like sisu, you know, the sense of determination and toughness is a great is a great term that we can translate it into English, but it's really nice to hold it in that in that term or mm -hmm. a term like sadaje, you know, in, in Portuguese, which is kind of a combination of of longing and sadness and pleasure, you know. And so those do stretch our, our they stretch us out and they allow us to feel different kind of nuances. Like I say, um, our feelings words are like it's like a paint set. If you're a painter and you were doing watercolors, you could have just a real primary set of, of, of several just primary colors or you could have the the really expensive paint set that has 70 or 100 colors of different shades of blue and brown and green and all these different shadings so that's 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 why we talk about feelings words in general but of course it's it, it's it's really fun to talk about words that are, we've never encountered before from another culture that really challenge us to, to really get inside that um and so that's that's a way of building empowerment you know for people to take on the the feelings coming from climate change um so that was the first part of that. But then, of course, you brought up how people value in the environment 
and then you brought and then you brought up hope. Sorry for my multi-pronged question. That's okay. <laughs> Just keep no, but it's, it's but that's the, that's the kind of work, right? We have to kind of track what's going on here because there are multiple things going on, and so having that presence to say, okay, let's that's that's part of the game. So and that's what we do on our podcast is try to cycle back to the things that open up because a lot of podcast is pretty improvisational as well. Our listeners should know that we we often don't know exactly where we're going on any given episode. We just have an idea, and then we just go with it uh, mm-hmm. and see what comes up. And that's what's fun about the podcast for us. Um, uh, but what do you think, Panu? Yeah, there's this old saying that be careful how you see the world. It is that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. related to this language issue also. That's that's one type of awareness, trying to be at least partly aware of how my own culture and education generated set of words uh, affects how I see the world. And there may be quite interesting things that a certain language doesn't capture, for, for example. Of course, there's ways to go around this, but fundamentally, uh, it's very interesting that there's these very nuanced things, like, and often they are combinations. And because we are living in so complex times, I think combinations of various emotional tones, like the Finnish word haikeus, which is a combination of gratitude and sadness. So these may be quite handy for these troubled times. And linked to this big question around hope, which is something I have written a lot about, in, especially in Finnish, but some in English all, also. And then what various people mean with hope is also quite quite different. It's not totally different, but it's again coming to this example of the elephant and people approaching it with blindfolds and what, what do they, they feel and how does that affect what they think that the elephant in this case hope is. Mm-hmm. I've often been quoting Vaclav Havel who said that hope is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out. Mm-hmm. So that's what okay. Havel in the 1980s. So, and that's fundamentally, you know, hope as meaningfulness or meaningfulness as hope, which is one valid take on hope also in philosophy. It's not the most common one, but this is one example how the issues of language and hope, I think, become intertwined also. Yeah. And just to stay with hope for a second, uh, I mean, that is a common question and we've addressed that in various ways. It's almost the stereotypical question in this uh, but when people are asking that, they're asking a lot of things like, am I safe? Am, you know, what is there, you know, what does this make sense? Like, you know more about this than me. Does this make sense? Because it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, uh, hope hope is three, you know, is three things. It's that your your life has significance, that you have a purpose and, and things make sense. You know, and people, we struggle with that even in the in the best of times. But just technically with hope, We've talked about this. Most of our, about 97% of, of, of what we hear about climate change is negative in terms of the news, in terms of reports, like the recent Lancet report, medical report. It doesn't have anything positive in it. It's meant to be an alarm. So we have these systems that just keep firing off these alarms. And even, you know, maybe the IPCC reports in general have a full picture, but we don't ever get a full picture. All we hear mostly is the crisis and the problems and the emergencies. And we don't hear all the other fun, good, great things that are happening, all the good work that's happening around the world. So one in thing about hope, hope doesn't stand on its own. Any feeling, if you take it separately, it's very naked and very weak. But if you if you bolster it with a bunch of other feelings around it, then the feeling can stand up. So hope requires information. It requires determination. It requires a sense of meaning. But a lot of people are just trying to hold on to some really thin, really weak kind of idea of hope that's not bolstered by any knowledge or, you know, the paradox of doing climate work, as any climate professional knows, is that, yes, it's problematic, but but you meet all these gifted people doing all this neat stuff and you see people working on solutions and it does have that flavor like that hobble quote where it does make sense and and a lot of a lot of people in the public don't get that all they get is the negative that's why they feel so lonely and so so just hopeless i i think personally when you live in a a country where you don't speak the native language like i do um, you Mm. become quite aware of the the way language and culture are 
interlocked really and forming how people behave and the patterns that the society has. Um, and I think listening to you go into some of these words sometimes that, you know, from other countries and cultures, I, I realize like how many different things there are, that there is a reason to have faith in humans to find solutions, um, not just create the problems. So I guess that's the kind of thing that it leaves me with is that there is so much out there that people think and feel and we are capable of not just creating problems but finding solutions. So mm -hmm. that's kind of where that question comes from, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that strongly reminds of the episode we did with Ellen Kelsey, who actually sometimes visited also the Netherlands, but she's got this book called Hope Matters, for example, which is an exploration of of the many sides in many issues, like I hear you when they, when they say that with human behavior, there's both of these options, but Kelsey is one of the passionate advocates for solutions-oriented journalism, which is related to many of the things we have been talking about here, that we need to give focus also on all the people who are trying to do good things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what has listener feedback been like so far the the podcast has been around for a year about or longer uh we've been around for about 10 10 months okay. just less less than a year i believe um the feedback has been interesting and and almost entirely good in, in terms okay. of messages coming into our email and things like that and just word of mouth that i hear from people people say I'm not I'm so glad you're putting this content out. I can't find any content like this anywhere else. This is really helpful for me. People will talk about specific episodes and say, oh, I, I, I listened to that one. And that was really interesting. I mean, like a lot of podcast people are still trying to figure out like how to gauge our audience and numbers and all of that kind of stuff. And we just launched a Patreon, Patreon site, you know, because okay. we've been we've been doing this on our own. You know, and so we're we're kind of trying to you know launch all the different parts of this production and keep it going. But uh, but what I'm hearing is good from people. What about you, Panu? Yeah, likewise. And of course, we are not reaching all the people we would like to reach, and we are conscious that there's gonna be people for whom our approach is is not one that most resonates with, with them. And we try to be as broad and inclusive as possible, but uh, we we can't uh, can't serve, serve everyone, and there's a need for various takes on these these matters. And there's some some other really interesting podcast on, for example, intersectional justice issues around climate change, which is a topic we have talked about, but it also needs voices from from experts by experience, for for example. But for, what we get is positive, and sometimes also people who are asking that how could I find a therapist with whom to talk about these matters. So sometimes mm -hmm. we get, get get that that too. But I know that some folks who are younger than us and do public work around this, like Brit Vray, who was joining us as a guest for one episode, she's been getting a huge amount of sort of calls for help from people around the world just because of the more social media uh, spread uh, approach that she, she's taking. So that shows mm -hmm. the need also for more support if, you, if people are feeling this very strongly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The podcast is kind of a therapeutic uh, adventure. It's 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 meant to be therapeutic for the listener. It's meant to, it's not formal therapy, obviously, but I do know about that, and I am a psychologist, and I do work with people. So each each episode is really meant to be a form of therapy for people. It's meant to be therapeutic, and again, we're not just journalists. Many podcasts in this in this space are basically done by journalists that are pulling together information, but they always step back and say, well, this is what I've learned, but I can't directly support you. I, I am not a therapist. They always will come to that, but we don't have to do that because I am a therapist and Pano is, has done therapeutic work and deep work in emotion. So we can go deeper and be much very close with the audience um, in a way that other, other podcasts aren't. But you've also done a few episodes. Uh, you've gathered your own playlists that mm -hmm. you um, relate to climate change, which I thought was a great accessible 
way to talk about something that most people like music and mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. get to say a little bit about what it is, what it means to you personally. So I thought that was a nice approach as well. That was, that Thanks was, those are some of our most fun, you know, some of our fun work that we've done. <laughs> um, yeah. You got to have fun, right? On yeah. the podcast. And that's again, a pro radical thing. What does it mean to have fun? You know, in this, you know, people think I, I need to be gloomy and sad all the time uh, as part of, my grief and concern about the environment and that that's just not the whole story we need to be able to celebrate victories and beauty and positive moments as well we'll be interviewing a poet uh, this week kim stafford who's a poet uh from oregon former poet, poet laureate of oregon and and so um you know bringing art is a theme that we like to do as well yeah and this broad meaning of the word therapeutic or therapeia goes back to something which serves something which especially serves healing and in this broad sense music is one of the most universal therapists or healers so we want to pay respect to that and also you know having fun dancing singing these are all have therapeutic dimension in them also so that's and we have a long personal history of loving music so that's of course one thing behind that Great. Mm -hmm. So to wrap things up here, I mean, I'd like to know what the most surprising things you've discovered so far are from the podcast. The most surprising. Maybe you haven't been surprised. There's been so many surprises that it's difficult to pick, <laughs> okay. pick one that, <laughs> that, that comes, uh, comes up. I'm surprised that we've been able to pull it off uh, as much as we have and, and, you know, take it from this idea and then really go through all of these different feelings and having guests talk and that it, the, the idea stands up, you know, um, and this journey that we've created really is, is helpful. And yes, in the small, I'm surprised every time we were, I mean, I mean, I've even learned things just today in our conversation, you know, so I'm surprised each time um, that we, we open up this door, you know, uh, about just different different nuances uh, about things, and so then I it channels me into back into my writing and back into my work with people. But I am not surprised that it's striking a chord. That I I I was fairly intuitively sure that it would it would, okay. and that so that's that's not a surprise to me. I, I it it validates kind of my my sense of the world and people. Panu, do you have something very surprising or uh, nothing sing single comes to comes to mind when talking with with people many of our guests have been uh, engaged with climate emotions also before that enables us to discuss the matters but still there's something new in every con conversation something unique about that person's ex experience and that that's a sort of constant source of uh, su surprises but i can't name just one right now mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. Well, anything special that you want to tell Metapod listeners they can expect from future episodes of your show? Well, first of all, very warmly welcome to join join us. And we are already arranged a certain set of guests. Thomas mentioned the, the, the poets. There's a composer also. We are talking talking with quite quite soon a person mm -hmm. who's been doing research about eco emotions, for example, in Africa, mm -hmm. which, which is highly high, highly in, interesting. So we try to have a mix of the arts and sciences and everything between. But we are also open to successions. So also please please do uh, do tell tell us what you would like to hear more about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, listeners can expect that we're going to keep getting into different kinds of emotions and like really foregrounding them. Again, emotions that people have and they need to express that might be difficult, but also emotions that people want to have. People that want to learn, they, they want to learn how to have an emotion. Um, and then we're always as two white males, you know, kind of in the first world, we're, we're always quite aware of our, our, our privilege and our placement. So we're trying to bring in we're very careful and very selective about the guests that we bring in. We're very mindful about bringing in people that add things that we can't 
uh, like Charles Ogunbode, who's whose study on eco-anxiety around the world has recently gotten a lot of press. He's coming to speak with us in November. Um, so that's a that's a piece that people should know. We're you know we're well aware that we're white males and we're we're really trying to share what we can that's helpful, but also curate a podcast with very interesting sort of you know thought-provoking guests. Well, you're doing great. So mm -hmm. Thomas and Panu, thank you so much for this fascinating conversation. I really enjoy listening to the podcast. And um, thank you for sharing your time with me on Metapod. Thanks, Wendy. Kitos, as we say in Finnish. Thank you again to Thomas and Panu. I know they're busy people, so the time they gave to Metapod is very much appreciated. I hope you'll give their show a listen. You can read more about the podcast in Thomas and Panu at climatechangeandhappiness.com. You'll find links in the show notes too. If you enjoyed this episode or any other episode of Metapod, please leave a rating or review at Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can also share it on social media. It's a simple and free way to support the show. And thank you for that. If you're interested in other podcasts related to some of the issues discussed in this episode, please take a listen to episode 50 of Metapod with Annalisa and Relay of Goodniks, which explores social activism, and episode 51 with Reverend Billy and Savitri D of Earth Riot Radio. And of course, there's last week's episode number 56 featuring a podcast called Getting Emotional, hosted by Bex Lindsay, and that looks at emotions, culture, and language. As always, thanks so much for listening. See you! That's all for this episode of Metapod. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at The Metapod Show, and subscribe at any of the usual places you find your other favourite podcasts. You can follow Metapod on Instagram at metapodshow or visit our website, metapodshow.com. Aside from the theme tune, this episode of Metapod was made end-to-end -end by me, Wendy Morrill. Metapod intro and outro voiceovers by Zoe.